This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the PGA of Canada Tea Talks podcast. My name is Mark Rowe from TSN. Today's guest is a globally recognized innovation strategist and best-selling author. He previously spent 12 years at Deloitte working closely with leaders to better plan for the opportunities associated with disruptive innovation, one of my favorite forms of innovation. Uh, he is a partner with Queen and Rook. He advises leading organizations and executives on disruptive needs. Uh, his work and interviews have been featured in, oh, I don't know, the Globe and Mail, the Guardian, CBC, and CTV. He's been recognized as Edify's top 40 under 40. And in 2021, he was named in Forbes's best virtual keynote speaker I've ever seen. Not good virtual keynote speaker, not great, best virtual keynote speaker I've ever seen. <laughs> His content on innovation has garnered min- millions of views, uh, respectively, across LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. His best-selling debut book, The Bold Ones, offers a playbook for individuals to become bolder, to push their careers and companies forward. Um, this is amazing. Sean Canungo, Sean um, that's just scratching the surface to your unbelievable career. We appreciate you joining us here on T-Talks, the podcast. Look at that intro. Well, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's an honor to be here. And by the way, um, you're doing such a great job at this. And uh, I just want to say this. You know, if you've gotten this far, if you got past the intro, just subscribe, rate, review, wherever you are. Listen to this podcast. Look, Mark is putting in the work, okay? <laughs> this, is no, this is not a Mickey Mouse podcast. So, uh, no, I appreciate it. I'm an honor to be on the pod. And um, um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I, I appreciate when you said work, you didn't use air quotes because most people, like, when, they, <laughs> when they look at me and they say, yeah, you're doing a lot of work over there talking about sports. But uh, how do you become the best virtual keynote speaker that someone's ever seen? Like, did you, were you born that way? Did you develop it in high school? Like, that's, that's a pretty amazing title. <laughs> that is a pretty amazing title. And I, I do have to caveat it. It was probably one guy at Forbes that did this analysis. So it's not like uh, this is a cons- a global hey, 8 billion person consensus. It's, it's one but more than it. I have. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think the ability to uh, a keynote is essentially you're delivering a, you know, 60, 45 to 90 minute uh, presentation in front of folks. And, and uh, to do that in a compelling, engaging, um, interesting way. Um, it takes a lot of work, right? It takes a lot of reps being in front of a an audience uh, going across uh, North America, around the world, getting in front of audiences and doing it 
uh, uh, you know, a million times in, in, in different ways. And actually the, the, the recognition was doing it virtually. So during the pandemic, when it hit, you know, my team and I, we, we rented out theaters across the country and, and did all these virtual keynotes and just putting in the work of, uh, reimagining experience. So we were in this theater, we kind of like just produced this, this, uh, Netflix quality level, um, experience for live audiences and, and just continuously experimenting and trying new ways of doing things. And, um, yeah, so it's great to get a little bit of recognition around that. So if you're at a party, right, and <laughs> someone says to you, so, so what do you do? Like, uh, what, what's your title? And you say global innovation strategist. My guess is four out of every five people go, oh, that's that's really cool. And then they go, exactly what that is. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> no? Okay, well, let's, let's, well, we'll go to the bar. So um, take us through exactly <laughs> what that is and how you've landed on innovation as your day-to-day job. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't, uh, you know, going when I'm at a party, I don't say that I'm a global innovation strategist. I just, I just actually normally tell them that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a consultant. I work with companies and they're like, oh, that sounds boring. Uh, what else is on? <laughs> you know, it's not like working at TSN and you're like, oh my God, like, can you get uh, me tickets? Ha- yeah have you interviewed lebron like or have you interviewed tiger like what's he like um which is a lot sex actually what is the first thing that people ask you when you say that you work at tsm what is the first question that they ask you i'm not kidding a lot of people are like oh do you get to go to a lot of games and i'll say yeah i've done like a sign to that and they're like so you get tickets and i'm like no (laughs) like i've had one job when i worked for the nhl network that yeah. I could get some tickets because it was the league, but that's n- the number one. And then you want to hear about what everyone else who I work with is like. And everyone gets really bored when you're like, everyone's cool, everyone's great to work with. And they're like, oh, give me some gossip. Like, Johnny so and so is really difficult. And, so, you know, so everyone wants the juicy stuff, right? And, uh, right. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm. I let a lot of people down when it comes to that. But yeah, everyone assumes that you you're like. Is Darren Dutition actually like? Is he is is he like that in real life? Yes, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. He is the loudest guy in the room. He I don't like. He's been doing Sports Center since the '90s, and yep. he's excited every day to come into work. And obviously, he has a. Um, you know, he's just been battling cancer and came back, which is an amazing story. So he obviously has a new perspective. I'm sure of what it's like to be back at TSM. But even before that, he was, he's just so excited to do like a a Hawks Hornets highlight pack, right? (laughs) Where I, you know, I've been doing it for a handful of years and sometimes I'm Thursdays. I'm like, all right, sure. There's no like real, you know, the Super Bowl's on, on tonight. You know, it's not game seven of the Stanley cup final. And, um, and you look at him, you're like, wow, like, and you just, you feed off of it. And he's, um, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. He's, you know, uh, you know it's funny. Fun. It's like, okay. And I'll tell you how I get, you, you asked me this question around being this innovation strategist. Um, actually when I was in, when I was in junior high, the job that I wanted, and I think every kid wanted was I wanted to be a sports commentator. So yeah. I remember watching Darren Dutition on ITV in Edmonton right. and watching him do that the 630 or 625 spot. And then I remember when I was in junior high, I called ITV and I was like, Hey, can I, can I, uh, shadow, can I shadow? Um, uh, it was another, uh, uh, sports commentator at the time broadcaster. Can I career shadow you for a day? And then, uh, I, I, I got to do that and like see their job. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is a lot of like just editing and preparing and just sitting down. Um, 
Yeah. So I was like, I don't know if I want to do this the, the entire yeah. time, uh, but it's funny. It, it, it's just funny. But now like, um, you know, being in innovation, actually the, the title of innovation, um, I didn't give this to myself. I just, I worked at a company called Deloitte. They're a big management consulting firm. And, um, I just started to do projects in different ways, uh, whether it's incorporating new technology or artificial intelligence, uh, behavioral economics, including those in, in my projects. And then people started to point to me and be like, that's the innovation guy. He's doing things differently. And so over time, like I built this reputation of, of creating projects that were innovative and then um, you know, I took that to the next level and helping advise organizations on innovation and creating a brand around innovation, um, not only, uh, you know, locally, but, you know, globally. And that's sort of how I, you know, branded uh, myself as innovation, which is actually just other people pointing to me and saying, you're the innovation guy. Uh, well, that's a pretty cool thing to have when someone's pointing at you is like, that guy is innovative and that guy is going to bring us into the next couple of decades. Um, and not not to compare yourself with Steve Jobs. As some <laughs> push, push Please do not. Please do not. Yeah. Um, but he's got this well-known quote about the crazy ones, which is pretty yeah. well-documented textbooks. And I'm pretty sure you've even seen them in like the flashy Apple commercials that we'll probably see during sports, uh, during the Super Bowl. Um, but you disagree with this notion that innovators are the, quote, crazy ones. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because we always think, and I, you know, I wrote this book called "The Bold Ones," and we always think that the bold, the crazy ones, the bold ones, the people that are, you know, in the basement, they're doing something wild, and and, but but I believe believe that actually they're not. If you actually work with them and you talk with them, they're not the crazy ones. They're actually thinking very clearly. They have conviction and they have courage around their particular ideas. And really, I believe that the crazy ones are the 99%. They're the everyone else that don't see um, – they don't see the path. They don't see it clearly. So so um, I believe that the, the, the innovators, the, the disruptors are the ones that have conviction and they see clearly uh, around their particular ideas. And, they're, and the crazy ones are just – they're us. They're everyone else that, that don't see what they're seeing. And so um, you know, I, I try to analyze this idea of crazy ones or the bold ones in my book. I, I go through modern history, pop culture, sports, um, and, and really dissect you know, what – differentiates everyone else and and it's really a couple things number one it's the idea that we always think that the bold ones the crazy ones they have that they are unafraid but what what we really realize is that actually the 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 innovators the they're afraid, but they still move forward. Actually, I say that the most dangerous person in the room is the person who's most afraid, but bold enough to move forward. And the other piece is that they are they have conviction and they have courage around their ideas, and they go for it. Um, that doesn't mean that they're uh, uh, that that they're unafraid. It means that they're still afraid, but they just they have the courage to move forward. And so, um, if I if there's a through line around the book, that's that's probably what I would say. So. If you're part of the 99%, which is probably a lot of our audience, and you're at least intrigued by people like you, or they want to become maybe a little bit more like yourself, take us through who you are. And like, in this innovation, are we talking more of a psychological mindset? Or are we talking the use of technology and AI and kind of that sort yeah. of thing that we're seeing um, more and more in our daily lives? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I I think um, 
when we think about innovation, if we think about innovation as technology first, I think that's the dumbest place to start. To me, innovation is about um, creating value in new ways. And actually, if you look throughout society, value can be created through the mind. In fact, technological innovations are bounded by the laws of physics and code. Psychological innovations are just bounded by our imagination. I would argue that the most disruptive concepts in the world are actually just psychological. It's a, how do we make things more compelling or easier? You know, the idea of money. You know, to me, money is the most disruptive concept that we've ever created. The fact that we've convinced everybody around the world that a piece of paper is worth what it's worth, and then we can convince kids and and and, and just everyone that. That, that that's the truth. To me, that's disruption. That's a psychological innovation. So um, what I like to do when I talk to people about innovation and saying, actually, everyone has the capability to be innovative. It's how do I get, uh, how do I do things in fundamentally different ways? And um, I would say most innovations are psychological. So um, I think that that's the best way to think about it. But t- to your point around, you know, the mindset and, 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 what people should be thinking about when it comes to innovation disruption. To me, it's actually stepping back every single day and saying, why do I do things the way that I do? Just asking really dumb questions and trying to reframe that in different ways. To me, that's how you start being an innovator is stepping back and saying, um, how do I just do this differently? How do I how do I make this five to ten percent better? Or how do I make it ten five to ten x better? Um, that's having a uh, an innovative mindset. Yeah, and we talked about that in previous episodes. You know, getting over that that hurdle of asking questions that you think in your mind you should know the answer to, and you're embarrassed that you don't. But you'll you, a you'll find maybe that more people uh, fall into that same category as you. And B, regardless, you know, kind of like the old line of like check your ego at the door. Like, who cares? Who cares if everyone's judging yeah. you at that moment, right? At, you'll you'll gain that information, and then suddenly, you know, it, it'll serve you down down the road and you know if if we only had the information that a huge corporation like blockbuster or sears wasn't going to make it right because in those moments in their prime man with were those great successful companies in your view i just use those as examples what happened to those businesses and why are they no longer uh, you know for blockbuster at the the end of the street in a plaza or no mall now has a Sears. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I believe that actually blockbuster Sears, these companies that got disrupted actually had really great people. They had really smart leaders. In fact, I would argue that they had smarter people than, than the Netflix or the Amazons of the world. Um, they hired the best people. They had resources at their fingertips. They weren't, um, you know, they they were blessed with talent, experience, and knowledge in their particular industry. Um, but, and it's not that they didn't have the technology either. Actually, they had the technology. Sears had e-commerce in their back pocket. Blockbuster um, had the idea of um, mailing sort of DVDs uh, to folks. It's, it's not like they didn't have the ideas. Really, what they didn't have was the conviction and the courage to, to change their existing business model and move forward. It's having the courage and the conviction to try something differently that will impact their existing business model. So, and that's what I see with most of the 
established organizations today. They're not short of amazing people and great resources and a lot of money and capital. It's like, are you willing to change what's working today to, 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 to go where the future is going? Th- that is the, the crux of all these different businesses. Um, we think that it's like they're, they, they just, they're dumb. They're ignorant. They're just, no, it's that they, they actually see the future. Blockbuster, you know, could have bought Netflix. Sears could have, um, could have adopted e-commerce and, uh, you know, adapted this digital world in new ways and being relevant. It's just like, do you have the courage to do that? So that brings us to leaders of today. And, it's easy, I guess, for us now to say, yeah, why didn't you just have the same model as Netflix? Or why weren't you another Amazon? What do you see as the biggest challenge for those leaders today? Yeah, I I, I would say that the biggest challenge for leaders today is being vulnerable. I believe that the most innovative leaders in the world are the most vulnerable. They are the leaders that can step back and say, I don't know. They're the leaders that can step back and say, um, help me. They're the leaders that can say, listen, uh, there's a new way of of working. There's a new model that's coming out, uh, you know, coming out of nowhere. How do we adopt this into what we're doing today? To me, it's the ability to be uh, vulnerable and to uh, be able to experiment with with sort of new ways of doing things. And I I, I, w- I would ask you because you know you're coming from a you know we're, we're here on T talks. We're, we're 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 you know golf is one of the oldest most you know one of the most legacy. Uh, just like one of the most beautiful sports in the world. And it's, it's driven by history and, and, and legacy. You work for a, a company like TSN. Again, storied history, legacy. Um, and so I'm going to turn it back to you. Like, what are you seeing on both ends working for traditional organizations that are, you know, let, let's be honest, media is the most disruptive uh one of the most disruptive industries in the world today. Um, the way, like this is media, podcast is media. Like I'm putting up a TikTok that's media. Like attention is is everywhere. So what are you seeing as, you know, some of the challenges working for a traditional organization? Well, it's a great point because TSN, um, you know, started in 1984 and was the first sports network. So people gravitate towards that because of the brand. Now, the brand can only take you so far if the the product doesn't deliver. And you also have a a younger and younger audience who no longer cares of the fact that sports desk back in the 90s was the thing to watch. And they want to be able to watch, you know, and and I don't say they like um, my age as well, like being in your 30s and 40s, you're watching more and more things off of your phone, off of your iPad, um, your laptop. So there is an uh, there is uh, a sense of embracing the the integrity and the quality of the tradition of TSN and what it's always brought to people, but also trying to be innovative with today's technology because people are are still consuming sports. Like yeah. people, like you brought up LeBron. You know, after taping this, LeBron James set the all time scoring record last night with the Lakers. That's a huge story that everyone was watching. Now, how were they watching it? Were they watching it on cable? You know, with the way that we were all watching things 15 years ago, did they watch it on their phone? Did they watch it on Twitter? Did they watch it on TikTok or all the things above? So how do you embrace all of that while still, you know, doing what we've always done well? And, you know, and, and specifically with TSN, like TSN Plus is a streaming service that, you know, we deliver a lot of content with. I still think it's in its infancy. 
um, whether it's TSN or Sportsnet or or ESPN as well. I think everyone's still trying to figure out how what's the best business model for all those um, for all those platforms. So um, there are challenges, but but like you say, the thing that gives me the most confidence is the people. You know, like there's a lot of great people who work at TSN and, and what's made that network so great. Um, are we going to fail? For sure. And and I think and we should try and and take some risks and we'll learn from those failures. Hopefully we're not failing too much and, you know, the network goes belly up. But, um, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fascinating time. People will say it's a scary time because you're dealing with jobs and you're shifting, you know, resources from one area to another. It's not like we're owned by Bell. It's not like Bell doesn't have money, but where yeah, they want to exactly. spend their money is, is really where things are, are dictated. And, um, you know, the, you, you brought up golf and its tradition and, and golf and what it went through during COVID is also a pretty fascinating thing to, to look at because yeah. a people were golfing and the participation levels went up and also golf was forced to change some of their rules just because of we're all changing, you know, how we lived our lives. So there's a lot of PGA professionals listening to this. They, they lead the game of golf on a day-to-day basis at their golf facilities across the country. Um, it, it is a game that loves its traditions, its rules, its histories. It's tucking your shirt, wear this, yep. uh, be quiet when this is happening. How do PGA professionals who are directly responsible at a club level celebrate those traditions while also looking forward from an innovative standpoint and maintain this current boom that golf has seen with participation? Yeah, I mean, and it's a it's a interesting question. It's a difficult question because, you know, the reason why golf is so popular and why it's created, you know, it's it's had a boom in participation during the pandemic and and post pandemic, is because it's anti digital. It is it is slow, it is long, it is um, nature. Right. It, it is all those things that are. And I think that's great. I actually as a digital guy, as a technology guy, I think that's great. Um, and, and so it, it's definitely, um, uh, you know, it, it's been amazing because of that. But that doesn't mean that you cannot um, continuously um, focus on innovation, which is not just like incorporating new technologies into your facilities and how do we make things more efficient, but really understanding where the game is going. Um, that could be around customer experience. How do we make it more memorable, more meaningful, more magical for um, the our, our golfers? How do we look at every part of the experience when they get to our facility, after they leave their facility, what they're doing in their facility, uh, you know, while they're gol- golfing? How do we make the pieces more meaningful and magical and memorable? How do we look at different segments of folks that we're not capturing? I mean, listen, Mark, it's going to be like you you got young kids. I do too. You know, we got a third one coming. Like it is very difficult to convince my wife to, 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 to for and leave the third kids you know at home while i go out for you know four or five hours it's very difficult to do that how do you capture a segment of folks that are in our boat um with young children um because you know the 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 roles in society are changing and so how do you create um whether it's offerings around that um it's around brand you know I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of sports has been driven by identity. Um, when Tiger Woods was at his height, 
uh, uh, you know, golf had a boom. And it's unbelievable to see the halo of Tiger Woods and how his halo actually created um, momentum around this sport around the world. Um, th- now, the challenge today is that can we create another Tiger Woods? Is there somebody else out there that can that can capture everyone's attention? We kind of haven't had that yet. Um, but t- to be tied, to, you know, for the boom to be tied to one person, I mean, that that's a little that little risky. How do we how do we um, how do we extend our brand? How do we find new ways for young people, diverse um, individuals, to to really? Um, uh, you know, have affinity towards this beautiful game. Um, there's so many opportunities out there. And and actually, golf is starting from a great place, which is history and beauty. And it's amazing. But that that doesn't um, – that shouldn't keep us from innovating. Um, I, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I just I, – I, it's, it's funny how you brought up Tiger Woods because how many times have we heard that Tiger Woods always wanted to be the best ever – uh, I wonder if he ever said, I also want to be the biggest disruptor that this game has ever seen. I, I don't think he's ever been directed that way, but he right. is. And, you know, he forced Nike to invest in golf. Like I don't, Nike wasn't, I, I, don't, I don't believe they were in the golf game at all. And if they were, it was on a pretty small scale. And suddenly, you know, we're around the same age. So we are in that, you know, that time of our lives where golf became cool because of Tiger. Right. And as uh, whatever age I was, you know, 12, 13, suddenly all my friends wanted to play golf and and we want, it was, it was okay. Like we weren't going to get made fun of if, if someone came to our house and saw golf cleats and been like, what are you, an old man, you know? And, and so, you know, I, to to answer your question, will there ever be another Tiger Woods? It's, it's tough to, to see that that'll ever happen. I was asked that a million times at the U S open last year. Will there ever be another Serena Williams? And my answer obviously was, was no, that doesn't right. mean someone can't a similar impact. It probably won't happen for a while because that, that is the, the uniqueness of a Tiger Woods and a Serena Williams and, you know, great players and great sports figures or great business leaders as well, who, who change things. But on the flip side, I, I think, of the consequences of maintaining a status quo, you know, and, and it must like, like give you chills to, to, to <laughs> for if I, if I said to you, Tom, we're going to go into business and you know what, we've been doing really well. Let's keep the status quo. Like you, you would, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you're a screamer. I don't know if you're someone that's just <laughs> like, I'm out pal. Like, like what, yeah, what, me- how do you see that? As yeah. So- the status quo, like, how do you see that affecting businesses and maybe specifically the future of golf as we we talk to an audience who you know is is living day by day day in this sport yeah well to me you know when you say status quo to me those are the crazy ones right that's that's who i describe as the crazy ones the 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 individuals that uh you know uh, keep the status quo and there's nothing wrong with keeping your core and what's working today, but that doesn't mean that you can't stop experimenting and 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 trying new ways of doing things across your business. And then at some point, when you see something working, when you see your experiments um, working, then you can bring in and make that your status quo. Listen, Netflix. Netflix didn't turn. 
um, into an, uh, you know, a streaming behemoth overnight. They experimented. They were in the DVD mailing business. And then at some point when that, that, and that was a cash cow at some point that when they realized Reed Hastings realized that, um, listen, the, the, the world is, is changing. People are the, uh, uh, uh adopting streaming. Let's start experimenting. Let's start experimenting in, in Canada that worked. And then that became their new core. If you look at what Disney's doing today, um, you know, Bob Iger came back to Disney. He, he essentially has turned the the core of digi- Disney into digital. Disney Plus is a huge driver for Disney, and so that's a disruption. And so you always have to understand where the market is going. You have to be able to sense the trends that are out there, and not to switch your business overnight. But it's to constantly be um. Uh, nimble and flexible and experimental enough to make those changes. And I think what we've seen, especially with golf, is that the is that the you know the facility leaders that were had that mindset of of being nimble and flexible and open. They were the ones they were able to navigate this um, the uh, you know the pandemic the best. Um, you know how do we how do we navigate in this in these uncertain times? And so um, to me, it's a mindset of just continuously um, disrupting yourself. Um, it's super important. Well, and, you know, when you're in the midst of it and you're starting to see some results, then it becomes, I have to think, a little easier because that that, that kind of motivates you, that you're like, yes, you know, this is this is working. And you, you kind of, you, you veer off to the right or to the left or you kind of see what's working and what's not. But the first step sometimes might be the most difficult, you know, where do I begin? How, like, I, I love the idea of innovating. I, I love the idea of, of being ahead of the game. But, but Sean, how do like, how do I do it? Like, I, I think there's a lot of people listening going like, okay, where do I begin? Like, so if you're a decision maker, you're a leader in your business, um, how do you make the conscious decision to start innovating in that business? And, and what do, what do those people need to, to start with, to do something differently? Yeah. No, it's a good, great question. And, you know, the reason why I fell in love with the idea of innovation, the reason why I've dedicated my entire life to this thing, the reason why I get up every single day and talk about this and write about this and and and, and just to, to, to me, it's because it is permissionless. It is the idea that anybody around the world whether you are leading your 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 golf course whether you are the 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 intern that anybody can go off and innovate and many people i think the the two myths when it comes to innovation we just talked about one of the myths with which is that innovation is this big um you know technology that we're implementing that's going to change our world that's the first myth the second myth is the idea that innovation has to be transformational that it it has to be this like crazy thing that we're trying that we're we're transforming the entire business actually i believe that the best way of starting um to innovate is find the smallest problem within your facility um you know within your organization find the smallest problem and you have a list of problems and try to approach that problem in a different way whether it's using technology or whether it's um, using a different um, angle, it's how do you create value around that and answering that small problem. And what you will find is that once you start solving those very small problems, small problems in different ways, you're going to build this muscle when it comes to innovation. You're going to build this this um, 
you know, it's it's like going to the gym. You you don't become innovative overnight. You have to start very small. And then over time, you're going to build this mindset around um, innovation. And more and more people are going to see you as innovative, not only the people within your team, but the marketplace as well. So it, it, it starts very small, just tackling very small problems in different ways. And that that's how you that's how you do it. So go off after you wherever you are, you're driving, you're, 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 you're listening to this, but sweeping your, your, your house, just find those problems within your organization and, and try to reframe those problems in different ways, solve it. And then you, you will build this muscle. And that's the beautiful part of innovation. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny. Like I, I, between this conversation and seeing a lot of your videos, I, I have this image of you almost like jumping out of bed with the same energy and all these great ideas. And, you know, you're, you're telling your, your family members, okay, here's how we can run a better house. And you're sending off emails and, and all these things. I, I know that's, I, I gotta assume that's not always the reality. And you, you, you talk about the muscle and going to the gym. So, so how do you work out? How do you work out that creativity, that kind of thinking hub that you need to, to continue on with this way that you are constantly coming up with, you know, innovative ideas and, and not just kind of sitting back and, and thinking to yourself, well, this, this worked in 2020 or this worked in 2018. Let's just recycle this. Let's just do it again. Like why, yeah. like, you know, like don't, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Well, a couple of things to respond. Number one, I am not getting out of my house, uh, getting out of my bed and uh, saying how we're going to change the house because my wife rules the house. Um, <laughs> second, my kids, my kids are waking me up and uh, and I'm I'm usually on the defense. So I, I, I'm not on offense. I need to I need I need some help to figure out how I can be more on offense. OK. And then when I get to my senses, then I'm like, okay, now let's focus on innovation. Um, so my kids definitely have uh, um, advantage over me. Um, to me, there's two things to this. There's ideas and there's execution. To me, let, let's talk about the ideas, which is actually just 1% of innovation. Um, ideas are nice. They're great. I actually think one of the best ways of finding great ideas is follow the, follow the weirdos. Follow the people that are in the subreddits, in the discords, in the in the um, you know in the garages, in the basements. Um, th- these are the folks that are, you know, uh, trying new ways of doing things. They're they're, they're passionate about certain movements. Um, you know, that's where you find them. Um, it's 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 looking at um, things that are popping up. Um, on the internet or offline that most people are not paying attention to. It's it's paying attention to not what's happening only within golf, but what's happening across finance and media, entertainment and politics and, 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 and science and beyond. You have to be able to be this deep generalist to discover new trends and new ways of doing things. Um, so that's the idea part. Uh, and, and that, that, that sort of is where I get inspired by just following the weirdos and the, and, and the, and the, the, the people that are trying new ways of doing things. And then there's the execution part, which I think that, that that's the most important piece around innovation. Um, in order to be an innovative person, you can't just come up with ideas. You have to go off and execute. And that's why I go back to the idea of building this muscle of going into the gym and it's starting very small with very small problems. And it's like, um, showcasing, it's not only solving those problems, but it's also working with others to solve those problems. Listen, 
the, the majority of the folks that are listening to this, they're probably leaders within their organization already. They don't have the time, the capa cap capacity to do that. Find people that are hungry, that are um, that are passionate, that can help you along this journey. You know, it's 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 always better when you're on this lonely path of innovating is to get people along the way. So find champions within your organization, find people around you that will go along this path with you. And you'll find that by doing that, it's going to be a lot funner. And then you can share your experiments more widely within your organization and, and, and beyond. And that's how you create momentum around your particular ideas, um, which is, uh, which is really important. So, so how do you accomplish that in terms of, the people around you, like if, if you're a leader of a, of a group, whether it's at a golf club or um, just a, any company, really, you know, how do you make it contagious that this innovation and this disruption and, and all these ideas that you're talking to us about, you know, it's one thing for, for you to understand it and to want it and, and to be able to put the work into it. How do you make everyone else that is working with you, for you, whatever those roles are, to also want it as, as well, because they might most likely are part of that 99% of the, of the crazy ones um, who want the status quo or are comfortable in the status quo. Yeah. You know, it's um, the thing with innovation is that you can't convince somebody to innovate. It's impossible. You can't change somebody's mind. You can only persuade. You can only drop the seed in their mind that, that they should be doing something differently. I love the idea of contagious innovation. I, I'm going to bring it back to like a sports example. Um, you know, Vince Carter um, is my favorite uh, NBA player. I'm out, outside of Steph Curry. Um, I, we just talked about LeBron. I love LeBron too. Vince Carter w was not the greatest NBA player to ever live. He never won a championship, never got to the finals. Um, but, you know, Vince Carter did something that I believe created the movement here in Canada. He did something so awe-inspiring with his dunks, especially particularly the moment with his slam dunk competition. Like he did something so awe-inspiring during the slam dunk competition in, in the year 2000 that it literally froze the world for a couple months, I would say. It froze the world. He did something so awe-inspiring that it inspired so many Canadians. He's not even Canadian, but inspired so many Canadians um, to take up basketball. I, I, I believe that the reason why we have so many amazing basketball players today, you look at Shea, um, you look at um, you know RJ Barrett, you look at all these guys that come up, is because of Vince Carter, because um, he influenced an entire generation of people to get into the sport because he did something that was awe-inspiring. And I think in order to get people along your journey, you have to persuade them. You have to market your ideas um, internally. You have to create a movement. You have to make it exciting. It can't just be a new idea. You have to get them along and, and show them why um, there's, a, there's a different path. And I think many people forget the marketability the, uh, um, and the importance of selling your idea to folks. And so in order to make it contagious, you have to um, make sure that it, it, you know, it, it draws at people's emotions at their heartstrings. And um, I think some of the best innovations do that. They, 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 they build a, a movement around them. And, you know, that, that Vince example is, is a beautiful example of how um, he created this movement around basketball stars in, in Canada. And he's not even Canadian. Mm. 
Well, look at uh, Kevin Durant and, and the Katie. fact that he grew up liking the Raptors, cheering for the Raptors. Why? Because yep. of Vince Carter. And because Vince Carter, um, again, I keep going back to the, the the term cool, like Tiger Woods, but like Vince Carter made the Raptors cool, made basketball yep. Canada cool. And um, and I, I appreciate you giving Shea Gilgis Alexander a shout out because he's from my hometown of Hamilton. So very <laughs> there you go. I'm seeing him. Yeah. And hopefully we can see Team Canada at the Olympics with all that talent. But um Want to, want to bring up, we started obviously the podcast bringing up how you're a global innovation strategist, which you do not introduce yourself as that at party. <laughs> do you introduce yourself as a best-selling author because you are your new book, The Bold Ones, which we are giving out a free copy uh, with this podcast through social media. Um, so stay tuned for that. But tell us about the book and tell us where yeah. we're well, you know, I also don't go to a party and tell them that I'm a best-selling author because that that sounds uh, that sounds a bit pretentious. Um, I don't want to say uh, anything, but I, I I'd steer away from that. <laughs> um, I I um I also have become I don't know if I'm comfortable enough. I maybe it's my own. Uh, I haven't introduced myself as an author yet, maybe because I need this book to like hit more people and. Um, you know, it's been doing well, and I've been so inspired by um, so many people in my network, outside of my network, that have been sharing this book and talking about this book. It's been unbelievable. And if you're into sports, um, if you're into golf, I think you'll love this book because it is. I don't. I'm not trying to sell my book, but there's a lot of sports components to this book because I love sports. It's in my DNA. Um, this book actually dissects disruptors throughout history. Uh, uh, pop culture, sports, hip hop, and really dissects what does it mean to be bold? What is the DNA of a bold one? And, you know, I've been spending my entire career talking to organizations about how they can go off and innovate as an organization. But the really the reason why I fell in love with the idea of innovation um, and the idea of disruption is because it applies to the individual. It's how does an individual become a disruptor? How do they disrupt their organization? How do they disrupt their own industry? That's why I fell in love with the idea of this idea. And so I want to bring back the idea of disruption to the individual. How do you go off um, and, and disrupt? And there's all these ways of going about and doing that. So that's really what the book is about. And you can take different chapters of the book around, you know, how do you develop your own hot streak? How do you develop your own your, your own your most prolific, most innovative part of your career. Um, how do you um, how do you go off and 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 build your own sort of um, little following? How do you go off and um, you know disrupt the incumbents or your bosses and 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 work with that? Like, there's so many ways to go off and do this, and that's why I want to put it all in a book. And Mark, I think you're gonna love it. I think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna wear a bold one's hat. And 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 uh, I can't wait to see that. Okay. Well, you said you're you're hey. not trying to sell your book, but you sold me. Listen, I I'm, I'm trying to sell. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. Hey, I was going to ask you a question because I'm on this, you know, PGA pod, and I and I'm a disruption strategist, so I couldn't I couldn't help but I talk about this. Um, I'm I don't know how many times Live Golf has been mentioned on the pod, but um, I'd love to get your take on Live. And and what your what your take is, its impact on the PGA, and you know how you think it's disruptive or not? Yeah, uh, it's it, it's been kind of suddenly brought up uh, a few times. Uh, maybe we'll have to I don't know if we're going to dedicate a, a whole episode to it or not. But yeah, like that was 
whether you like what they're doing or not. And there's, um, there's a lot of meat on that bone. Um, that, that is the ultimate <laughs> disruptor. Greg Norman maybe is the ultimate disruptor. Um, yeah, like it's, um, I'm fine with players saying, yeah, uh, give me all the money and give me fewer tournaments, more time with my family, fewer rounds, all that stuff. But I, I have a hard time when they're whining about world rankings and it's like, yeah, you like you, you're, you can't have both here. And, you know, they, they're loud back at the, ma- at, at the majors and the masters was one that we were all kind of wondering about. And it looks like they're all going to be able to play there if they qualify and if they're former champions and stuff. Um, it, 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 the longevity of it is what I think we're all wondering, is this sustainable? Because as it just came out that they, they, they didn't make any revenue off of this first year. Now, yep. when, you're, when you're giving out checks for hundreds of millions of dollars, it's pretty tough to make a, a revenue. They don't have a, a big TV sponsorship, but it'll be on the CW, which is a smaller network in the States. So, um, and there's obviously the human rights uh, element to it as well. Um, I, I, I part of me uh, from an entertainment standpoint loves it because it's drawn out personalities in the game of golf and a guy like Rory McIlroy has really elevated his voice in the game and has really stood up for the PGA tour and whether or not you side with him or not I just like the fact that the game's biggest players um, are outspoken and I think that's good for sports and the one thing that we kind of all roll our eyes on sometimes with hockey is the boring answers and the, the, the yep. game needs more, more personality and the fact that it rejects personality sometimes. So yeah, there are some positives um, to come out of it again. What, where does it stand in five years, 10 years, you know, how do you keep this sustainable? I, I have no idea, but uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to see a guy like Greg Norman, who I was a kid when he was like a world number one to see him yep. so qualified um among so many players and, and to kind of learn the history of, of that so yeah it's interesting as a broadcaster it's uh it's interesting I, I can't tell you how many times we've you know we've really isolated highlights of their tournaments i can't even i i think i remember who won some of their tournaments but that's beside the point they're all exhibitions right Totally, hundred percent. Yeah, and I, you know, I bring it up because I think it's the first time that golf has been, or the PGA um, has been, um, you know, looking at a disruptor. Um, other than you know, changing, uh, I guess, socioeconomic, uh, you know, dynamics, and you know, people, you know, golf is is not the the most accessible game in the world. But um, it, it's it's the first time that um, you know they, they 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 have a challenger here, and I think uh, the best advice that I would have for um I guess the PGA as an organization as a whole is is um you know what we see with most incumbents is that they be, they they ignore or they become egotistical about their current standing. And it's always good to see um what other folks are doing that um and, and innovating different parts of their business. So um I guess the jury will be out in terms of you know their impact obviously they're overpaying for for everyone right now and and um but uh it's it's always great to have a keen eye around how do they approach it how are they doing things differently are there things that we can steal remix copy from what they're doing because they obviously stole remix copy things that they were that 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 we were doing so um yeah it's going to be really interesting to see yeah interesting to see how much golf um adopts some of the practices that live whether live survives or not kind of presented to the game this past year and and how much you know the pga is is learning and i guess it's it's helping out 
you know, in terms of the purse, golfers are making more money because of live and to keep them. So it's, uh, it's already um, showing it's a effect on that. Um, just want to quickly go back to your book and just, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how can people purchase your book? Well, first of all, I mean, most importantly, uh, follow this podcast. Okay. Subscribe, follow, rate, review this podcast. If you got this far. Okay. And once you do that, if you have time, if you have time, <laughs> Uh, you can go to seancanugo.com um, and find the details of my book uh, there. It's called The Bold Ones. You can get it anywhere, Amazon, uh, Indigo Chapters, uh, wherever they sell books. And um, get a, you can get a copy there. Awesome. Sean, thank you so much. So entertaining, so enlightening. Uh, great to chat with you. Best of luck with everything moving forward. And hopefully this isn't the last time that we get to chat. Yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. And uh, thank you so much for having me. All right. Awesome to have Sean Canungo on the episode. Uh, thanks to you for tuning into this episode of Tea Talks Podcast. In case you didn't hear Sean, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean for up-to-date podcast alerts and early access. This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living.